You're listening to Cornerstone Conversations, a podcast by Cornerstone in Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Jeremy McNair. I'm the worship pastor here at Cornerstone. Today, I'm joined by Bobby Harold, who is our lead pastor. We also have a special guest today who I'm really excited about. Here at Cornerstone, we've got a really talented and capable staff and our communications director, Erica McNair, is on our content development team and has been integral to working through developing content for our Apostles Creed series, especially through this particular portion over the Holy Spirit. She's also my wife, and I'm so happy that we get to have this conversation together today. As you listen to these podcasts, we would love for you to be a part of them as well. We'd love for you to gather any input that you may have and send it to us so we can respond to whatever is most applicable to the conversation. So if you have any comments, feedback, or questions, if you could text those to 817-809-3040, we would love for you to be a part of these ongoing conversations. One of the reasons we wanted Erica to come and be a part of this podcast today, Jeremy, was because of the diversity of backgrounds. Yeah, this is actually something that in our last episode I specifically talked about was there was some conflict. Well, I don't want to say conflict, Erica, but there was some tension as we were trying to really reconcile two very different, really polar opposite stances in the church denominationally. You know, I came from a very conservative Baptist background. And I came from a background that was very charismatic. I started really conservative when I was younger and made a massive transition into the charismatic world. And this was driven by your parents moving your family when you were younger from church to church or decisions you were making as an adult? So my parents raised us in a church that was fabulous, that loved the Lord, a Bible church. And then my sister actually, when she was an adult, kind of switched us. She's significantly older. And so we moved to a charismatic church that really loved on her and cared about her and began to shift her understanding of Holy Spirit. And so the whole family eventually followed her there. Do you remember in that church, whether they identified as Pentecostal or Assembly of God, or did they just call themselves charismatic? They were non-denominational, okay. but, but charismatic it was very flavor. charismatic. Yes. And again, this is what's interesting today in our Christian culture, especially here in Texas. There are lots of non-denominational churches that are practically Baptist. Right. Well, Everything but in name only. And that's how I was raised. A Bible church... That there for all was, intents and purposes, Baptist, but just didn't, may have not have gone to the convention, sent money to the convention, but as far as what they believed was down the line. You know, and I don't want to go too far into generalities, but part of the reason why your family left a Bible church that was very traditionally almost Baptist and went to a more charismatic leaning church was because the practical nature of how the church lived out being the body of Christ was very different. So the Bible church was very focused on, let's get all the information into your brain as we can. Okay. We're not gonna really care about you as people. We're just going to make sure that you are knowledgeable believers versus going to a charismatic church that may be stressed knowing scripture less, but they really pushed being the hands and feet and loving nature of Christ. Is that, I wouldn't say that that initial church didn't love the people or care about the people, but not in the same way. The experience of knowing and loving the Lord overflowed then into knowing and loving the people within your church body. There was a different level of investment in each individual Mm -hmm. and their walk with Christ that I didn't necessarily get at the other church. However, I knew scripture. Yeah, I knew the word of God, but I didn't know God. 
Okay, so one of the things that played out in the service on Sunday, man, let me back up and say what I was going to say just a moment ago about the Bible church. Bible churches can be in all flavors. So you can have this almost down the line Baptist Bible church, and you could have a Bible church that's much more Pentecostal looking Mm -hmm. and everywhere in between. And anymore, I think you're beginning to see like Cornerstone, which had obviously Baptist roots, is really non-denominational or maybe interdenominational. We're trying to find the right way to say that. But the Baptists are doing some things we don't agree with right now and yeah. see some reforms. Organizationally even, yeah. you know, and these are ongoing debates. And, and like as of this week, current conversations where the Baptists are kind of all over the place in practice. And we kind of take some issue with some of the stances that, and you know, again, I'm speaking very generally here, but the general Baptists are, you know, making, we're kind of having some trouble with some of the very traditional Baptist, you know, practices. Well, in our leadership at Cornerstone, in your pursuit of ensuring that we're following a biblical model, you've talked about this from the pulpit so many times, this idea of being around the family table and the core beliefs that unite us as children of God as believers in Jesus Christ, as disciples, those essentials have to be agreed upon. We have nine core beliefs, but then we step out from that and we're able to look at different ideas within scripture that don't change the character of God, that don't change salvation, that just affect the way that we approach different things. And we're allowed to talk about that at the table. We can disagree. And that's something Jeremy and I early on in our relationship had to understand that we could look at scripture a little bit differently and understand Holy Spirit differently as long as we agreed. And I think the church as a whole is understanding that. And that's why we have an interdenominational people and congregation, because we're allowing to put those things to the side that aren't going to change our salvation. And what you guys were able to do in your marriage is really what my desire is for our congregation and maybe beyond our congregation, the people that are listening online that are not official members, people are hearing these podcasts is to be able to find this family conversation we're talking about where two people like you and Jeremy who love each other were raised with different backgrounds, but you both have the exact same gospel, the exact same father, son, and spirit. Both of you have a high view of scripture high view of Christ and you agree on 99.99% of everything theologically. Right. And when it comes to the third person of the Godhead, now there is disunity in what was then your dating relationship Mm -hmm. as you're trying to find a common ground about what you believe about God's spirit indwelling the believer and what that looks like. And what I want to make is some broad statements here about the last thing I could imagine Holy Spirit wants is to be disunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. in the life of believers. It's so antithetical to his very nature. He is the unifier. The unifier. Yes. He is the joining thread amongst all believers. Back if, to First Corinthians. If, if there's, Paul is saying. Exactly. If there's one thing that all believers have in common without fail, it's that we are all involved by the Holy Spirit. And so it's really troublesome then that Holy Spirit has become a dividing factor amongst God's people, because that's exactly the opposite of what the intention was ever meant to be. And I do want to point out, because this is something that you mentioned on Sunday and kind of challenged people with, and I think it was kind of an eye-opening challenge, was that we need to be better about calling Holy Spirit by his name. And both Erica and Bobby, you guys have both said 
Holy Spirit and not the Holy Spirit. I'd love to just kind of go into that a little bit because again, this is something that was very foreign for me, for my background, but Erica, for your background, it's less foreign. Right. And I'm trying. And you're trying. I have baggage that I'm intentionally trying to unload. And I find myself, I think that what I'm about to say is everybody will find common ground with. You continually revert back to your bad behaviors, it seems. Yeah. You know, they're easy to do and it's the good behaviors that take intentionality. And so when you hear me say Holy Spirit and you'll hear me slip up in the messages because my brain has run down the same neural pathways for 30 years and it's worn some paths that are hard to get my feet out of, but I'm trying to be intentional to call him by his name. Exactly. You know, we even got a question into the podcast this week where someone was asking about Holy Spirit and they said, I just typed the Holy Spirit and I had to backspace before I sent this message something because I had to be intentional about using his name. So God has a name. Let's start here. Yeah. And so there's other names for the father than the father. Mm -hmm. Maybe the father's his title. I'm not sure exactly how you parse all of this, but Yahweh is what we would think of as the father's name or Jesus, the man, Christ, the Messiah is what it means. So the Lord Jesus Christ would be the full title, but Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, Paul sometimes will reverse it in his writings, is the name of the Savior. Right. And so what's the Holy Spirit's name? Well, I think so much with that, our lack of familiarity in trying to figure out who the Holy Spirit is, what is the Holy Spirit, that for me in my walk with Christ, going to this more charismatic church, it was transformative for me to know Holy Spirit because I was raised in a church where I studied the Word of God and I understood Father God. I understood the Son of God. So one of the things that we brought up Sunday was from the Baptist point of view and maybe the early Bible church point of mm-hmm. view that you were in, it's get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word. Yeah. It's a teaching church and they teach, 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 no more, no more, no more, hidden truths, deeper truths. And it was all about knowing scripture, but it was not what you're saying right now. What you're saying is my heart and desire was to know God. And in the more charismatic church, I was knowing God. They may not have been as heavy on the emphasis of scripture. You know, I'm not trying to say in any way that they would say the Bible's not important, Right. but one is more of a church that teaches you about God. One is more a church that says experience God, know God introduces you to a relationship with God even. Because the point is not just to know scripture. Right. We want to know scripture so that we can know God. The scripture is the way to God, the way we know God. He reveals himself through scripture. Yeah, and so really there's a bit of a problem with putting all of your stress on one side of that token versus the other because they're both such integral and important parts of the same coin. You have to know scripture. And you have to know God. So the Baptists have traditionally said, you know, we're hesitant to affirm the charismatic movement because it's so experience based Mm -hmm. and we are so scripture based that we see no flexibility. I mean, it's really rigid guardrails on if it's not spelled out in black and white here in the New Testament, we're hesitant to affirm it. And you guys are talking about experience, 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 and there's a tension. And I want to keep saying in the same way that your marriage had two different viewpoints on Holy Spirit and found the middle ground Mm -hmm. and found a way to unify those And really, you saw the Holy Spirit as a unifier of two people bringing their lives together based in love. And you didn't let it be a dividing point. This spiritually is what we need to be doing. 
So as we talk through this section in the Apostles' Creed on the Holy Spirit, these are big themes that we want to embrace, you know, circle back to those conversations with people who maybe have a different viewpoint than you about the spirit of God and engage them again and hear what they have to say. These are people who know their Bible and love the Lord. And they're talking about, these are my experiences with God, right? It's not just, I read about Holy Spirit in first Corinthians. Here's my experience with Holy Spirit. Yes. I think in a lot of ways, There's a difference between saying, I know the pastor at Cornerstone versus I know Bobby. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about here a little bit. It's one thing to say, oh, I've read about the Holy Spirit. And it's a whole other thing to say, I know Holy Spirit. Correct. And people can know you as the pastor, but they don't know you as Bobby. And that sometimes creates a tension between the people who do know you as Bobby versus people who only know you as pastor. And you know, they are the same, but they are different. You see me me through different sets of eyes. Exactly. In the same way, Jeremy, people have read the gospels about Jesus, you know, and Erica, not everybody who's read the book of Matthew is born again. Right. They know about Jesus, Mm -hmm. but do they know Jesus experientially? Yeah. In a personal way. I think too, something that's always kind of baffled me as somebody who doesn't fit either mold of the church traditions that I've been in is looking back at scripture and seeing Holy Spirit doing some incredible things through the Old Testament. By the movement of the Spirit, the prophets were asked to do some wild things. Yeah. When you look at fire coming down from heaven and consuming a water-drenched altar and the things that God asked Abraham to do, that he tested him, he tested the prophets. There are these incredible works of God that are clearly spirit driven. Mm. And then we see that again in the New Testament, these incredible works of God. And while the spirit acts, like you've said, in different days and different ways, he is still a mighty, powerful creator God. And the spirit of God has not lost his power. No. And we don't have to be afraid of it. Now, just like you said, John tells us, test the spirits. We can't be unwise. Scripture is the basis of our understanding of who God is. And it allows us then to recognize when he's truly moving. That's actually a great introduction to the question we got this week. Someone texted in and asked, how do we discern the difference between Holy Spirit speaking to us versus just our own voice in our head? Like, how do we test those spirits, like you're saying, to really discern well whether or not we're truly hearing from God? So let's go back to where we were talking a moment ago. When we talk about the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Godhead. Let me ask you a question about that. Do you think calling him the third person, like as is in our tradition, do you think it kind of places him in that? You're saying in, in rank, a lower in, ranking. In ranking order. Because we sort yeah, of maybe rank. we need to eliminate that. Language. It's kind of a subliminal hierarchy that yeah. we do when we say that. There's lots of tension to this conversation that yeah. we've not unpacked in our theological circles. Because if you call again, we're referring to Holy Spirit as I'm going to use old language here. The third person of the Godhead is he really a person? Isn't that a human attribute? Personhood to me is a human being. But we give father. So we- I looked this up, Erica. Exactly. You and I have been in this tension writing some of this. And when you look it up in the dictionary, the word person, because I was going to stop calling him person. Yeah. 
you know, it is one of the definitions in the dictionary. The dictionary recognizes that Christian theology mm. refers to God as person. Hmm. So when you say person, linguistically, it's not incorrect. Yeah. You're not saying he, God, God, God in any form, Father, Son, or Spirit is person. Mm-hmm. Of course, Jesus was a person, but yes. we're not saying we're he's not minimizing him and to... equating him to being exactly. a rank and file human being. That right. is correct. That is correct. Person is a respectful way of saying, I recognize that God is manifesting himself in different persons, different yeah. manifestations. Yeah, unique individual correct. presences. Exactly. That is correct. So. The- have to make it understandable for ourselves. And God does that for us through the word and the way that the prophets and the writers of scripture address him. God made us. He knows that we need to understand how to connect to him. I think father, it's genius, honestly, for God to reveal himself as father. Mm-hmm. Because if you had the father, we all wish you had had, that would instantly trigger. We understand the parallel. Yes. Love, protection, yeah. care, unconditional right. love and sacrifice for mm-hmm. your family. Right. It would trigger a myriad of wonderful thoughts to help us know and understand God. Let me circle back to your question again now. Yeah. So how are we discerning? God is speaking through the prophets, through the Bible writers, and he's manifesting himself in these different ways. It keeps coming down to a matter of scripture for me. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you into truth. Absolutely. Jesus even said, he'll help you remember the things you've heard. He'll guide you into the word of God. Holy Spirit is not going to say to us, now I want to lead you away from the Bible. Right. The Bible that's guided thousands and thousands and thousands of years of believers, Mm -hmm. of God followers. Right. Oh, let's throw that away. And now we'll just freelance it. That just doesn't seem compatible at all. So the Bible is the foundation. It is that solid rock that everything stands on. So when you're hearing voices, let's talk about hearing voices for Mm -hmm. a little bit. I'll come at it another way. We all have a conscience. Mm -hmm. We all have an inner voice. And some persons have stronger consciences than others. Some have been hardened to where you're not as sensitive to matters of conscience. Yeah. Some people have very sensitive matters of conscience and they find guilt easily. They find conviction easily. From a preaching point of view, there are some people so hardened you could really hmm. preach aggressively and not dent that conscience at all. Right. Yeah. And again, I understand it's not the preacher, but the spirit working. But the same point is you can have different degrees of conscience, but you have this inner voice in you that it's you mm-hmm. speaking to you on right. the inside. Right now, so when you get saved, when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now the Scripture is saying, "Except you have the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His." Romans. So the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, is coming to live in our hearts. Now you have two voices. Mm-hmm. Now this is where you get all the cartoons. Yeah, is this a little angel on one shoulder, and devil the on the other shoulder? You know what exactly are we dealing with? With and this? in some cartoon moment, you see you know, Tom and Jerry, and he's about to clobber him and the voice is saying, don't do it. One voice saying, yeah, let him have it. But it's that also to me is a brilliant way that someone recognized there are multiple voices calling to you. And at times they are at war with one another. And at times they are at war with one another. And John is saying, you know, we need to try those spirits, Mm -hmm. whether they're of God and the spirits that are at work in this world are testable. Yeah. 
And if they lead you to scripture and to affirm that Jesus is Christ, to affirm that Jesus is the son of God, to confirm that and affirm that he is the risen savior, that is God's voice. Yeah. And the voices that deny Christ and deny scripture are not God's voice. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think about even in my own parenting, there's times where, you know, I'm talking to my boys and I say something and it's like, oh my gosh, that was just like my father. Yes. The way that I just corrected in that moment was an exact transplant from the parenting that they displayed to me years ago. Sometimes I think that that is something that happens for us even when we spend time in God's word, when we spend time in communion with him, really interacting with him through prayer and through our time together, we find ourselves acting more and more like him. And we find the thoughts that come through our head being more in alignment with the thoughts that he would have given us anyway. You know, right. and I think that's a good parallel sometimes of the thoughts that come into our heads as believers, you know, whether it's from direct inspiration from the spirit in this moment, or if it's something that's out of an overflow of my time with him, either way, it's still from him. We could talk about those voices. Maybe we should categorize them a little bit because sometimes it's like, is this right or wrong? Maybe yeah, that's a discerning moment. Yeah. And sometimes the voice is it's not right or wrong. It's A or B. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm presented with two job offers, which Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not a choice between good or evil. It's a choice between two goods. Right. And I think sometimes in those moments, we're so anxious about, Lord, which of these should I do? I think sometimes we're presented with multiple good options and the spirit says, go whichever one. I had not even considered that. Maybe there is in some moments when you're presented with two things, it's like, here, I've given you two great job offers. Just pick one. Which one do you like better? You're just wrestling, giving yourself ulcers over which one is the right one. And uh, And he's not answering because there isn't one clear I've given you two options. Well, when people ask this question of us, especially people who are in ministry often, how do I know what God's will is for my life? Which is a very similar question to this. How do I discern Holy Spirit's voice over my own? How do I know God's will? Like, well, God's already told us his will. We know what his will. It's to glorify him, to seek after his mission, to make Mm -hmm. disciples. We know what he wants us to be doing. And sometimes we can do that through various outlets, right? right? And it doesn't make one outlet better or worse than the other, as long as we're still on mission with him, as long as we are fulfilling his will, because he's already told us what his will is. It's a fascinating sermon in this series to talk about following Holy Spirit daily versus I've got to find the will of God for my life, which are two different approaches to how Christians live out their life. Mm -hmm. That would be a fascinating, I'm just thinking of some things you're saying now that people would like to explore maybe more. I want to circle back to something. We're faced with a decision again, Mm -hmm. and how do I know whether it's Holy Spirit speaking or another voice? Yeah. Okay. Let me rule out something. Satan, unclean spirits, evil spirits, I'm not saying it has to be personally the devil, Mm -hmm. but the evil powers are not going to lead you to witness to your coworker, right? invest in your children, <laughs> right. have date night with your wife and attend church and give a sacrificially to the cause of Christ. You know, and if you're having thoughts about, wow, I just don't know if going to church Sunday is the will of God for me or not. I, like, I, I, just, can, I can just tell you very clearly. It, it is. It is. Right. And, and this is really, you said something, you know, God's already revealed his will. If you're reading the scripture, you're seeing the revealed will of God play out on the pages of the Bible and other people's lives. And so you're already clued in to really what the will of God is. What we're really asking is, I hear voices and I'm trying to discern what's right and what's wrong. And let's say several things about that. The more you listen to a voice, Mm -hmm. the more tuned in you are to it. 
You have to spend time with someone to recognize their voice and to recognize who they are and how they're helping and leading you. Oh yeah. It's like when we first moved into our house, the hot water lever on the shower, it's like you can either go this side and you get completely scalded or you get on this side and you're frozen to death. And right in the middle, there's like a very fine (laughs) line where it's just, just right. Took me, you know, a month and a half to figure out where that one perfect spot is. You know, it's like, I can go close to it. Might be kind of warm, might be kind of cold. You know, I can get kind of in the right direction. But the more that I found where that perfect spot was, the more in tune I was with it. And I was able to just like get in the shower, turn the water to the perfect temperature because I had spent time, you know? Well, it's just like what pastor was talking about on Sunday, that same thing. He and his wife, Susan, have shared experiences. They don't simply know of each other. They know each other because they've spent their lives together. And I think sometimes we find ourselves in this trap of trying to answer all of these questions about God and going to this book and that book and this person and that person. And we don't spend time with God. Yeah. And if you're not in the habit of sitting in the quiet with the Lord, it feels awkward. It feels uncomfortable. So the church you went to that helped you really experience and know God better how did they help you experience is this you're talking right now about kind of some sabbath language about getting alone mm-hmm. with god and spending time with god is that something that came out of that church or how did because i think other people would like to know okay so you went to a more charismatic church you know you raised your hands and they're speaking in tongue is that what you're saying so yes they raised their hands yes they spoke but is that tongues. how they knew god but better? that's no a big part of it was understanding who i was in christ understanding that my worth and my identity was not in my relationship with Jeremy, my ability to make good grades. I was in high school at this point. So how great I was in the theater department, you know, those things that I found my value in. Well, that the whole world is being told this is who you are and this is where your value is. But I began to understand that I was beloved by the creator of the universe I began to see his tenderness and his love, and I began to understand him differently. And before I went there, I was functionally a binitarian or binitarian, depending on how you say it, instead of living like I served a triune God. Okay, so so we're going to have to unpack that. Yeah, pause and what what do you mean by binitarian? So we say that we're Trinitarian. We believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I understood who God was. I understood who the son was. I knew Holy Spirit existed. And that was the extent of my knowledge. So functionally in my worship, in my prayer, in my Bible study, I lived as if there was father and son. Okay. Now this is interesting, Erica, because when you speak with someone who's traditionally Jewish, who really, you know, the Old Testament Mm -hmm. is the still the Bible for the the Torah. It's almost as if they're Unitarian because the prayer of the Old Testament, the principal prayer in Deuteronomy 6 is here, O Israel, Mm. the Lord our God is one. And to them to talk about three gods would kind of be like heresy. You know, no, God is one. I say, well, no, we have three deities. Well, you're just like the Roman pagans then, or like the Greek pagans, or you've invented multiple gods. You know, God is one. That's who he revealed himself to us in the Old Testament. And so Christianity was founded by Jews Mm -hmm. and a Jewish Messiah leading them. And it was transformational for them to understand that Jesus was claiming 
to be the Old Testament God. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he was attributing to himself attributes that were for the father. Right. And here's where the wheels started to come off the bus with the ruling class, Pharisee, Sanhedrin. You know, you've spoken blasphemy. We don't need any Mm -hmm. other proof. Let's crucify this guy. This is out of control. You know, you're a heretic. No, he was the son of God right there. And Mm -hmm. they didn't recognize it. And again, here's some, just some great examples. They knew scripture. Right. Yet God had come down so that they could experience him in a personal way. Yeah. And they rejected the experience with Jesus because they had a head knowledge of God. They thought made Jesus superfluous. And Mm. is that what we have maybe fallen into? Maybe so. So now for us, when you said binatarian, Mm -hmm. and again, I'm going to paint with a broad brush and you don't have to email me and yell at me. I know. (laughs) You can text us though. Okay. So (laughs) most Baptists are functioning binatarians. Mm -hmm. And so we'll say just what you said. We're being raised as a Baptist, uh, Jeremy and I, we knew about God the Father. We were Mm -hmm. taught a lot about the Father and the Son. Yeah. The Holy Spirit was there but he was described really in function and in presence as more the extension of the father into our lives mm-hmm. or the extension of the Jesus into our lives. Yeah, I would even say that we knew him by his actions and not as a person. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we knew we had access to the father through the spirit. We knew that Jesus gave us the comforter and the advocate of the spirit but we never knew about the spirit's workings as a person right instead we just knew oh the holy spirit's going to guide me the holy spirit's going to comfort me the holy spirit's going to advocate for me and so we knew him only by the actions that you know jesus told us about and we didn't really know him you know from a real relational standpoint this again is why francis chan the small book he wrote on the holy spirit yeah forgotten god entitled it in a genius way really Because he comes, I guess, from the same tradition you're describing now, Mm. where he says, wow, now that I'm really understanding, Eric, as you're saying, God, now that I'm really experiencing the working of the Spirit of God, and as Holy Spirit is working in my life, I'm coming to realize this is forgotten God. Mm -hmm. This is the third person, and again, not in priority, but this is, let me say another way, another person of the Godhead. One third of one third, well, yeah, yeah, co-equal. Now they're all don't think ranking, yeah, one, two, three. But it's hard because our language fails here. You can't say he's part C because then again it feels like he's in the well, third place. Yeah, I mean, even the way that we say, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, e- even just that line in itself makes us automatically put it in a hierarchical structure right. in our thinking. Right. And I think part of your challenge to the congregation to try to drop the article the and simply say Holy Spirit isn't because it's a biblical mandate. We're not saying you're heretical if you put the word the in front of Holy Spirit. No, because the scripture does. Absolutely. Right. And plenty of people do on either end of the spectrum in denominations. However, like you were saying earlier, we connect with the idea of a father. We connect with the idea of a son. Yeah. The idea of a spirit is hard for us to grasp at. And so in order to speak as if it is his name, I mean, it is his name. Holy Spirit is God. And so to say to him, Holy Spirit, guide me today. Holy Spirit, thank you for what you've given me. Josh Martin, our children's pastor, we were talking about Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm realizing that the only part of God we actually interact with is Holy Spirit. And yet we attribute 
that to God, the father, God, the son, it's by the Holy spirit that we pray. It's by Holy spirit that we are given inspiration to minister to people. Like you were saying, sometimes things come out of your mouth and you think, oh my goodness, that's my dad. In the same way, when we're speaking to someone and in the back of my head, when I'm talking to people, I'm just saying, Holy spirit, guide me, Holy spirit, I need you. And sometimes I sound really good when I'm ministering to people and it is not me. It's because I've been open to the spirit speaking through me. And then I can tell the person, yeah. like, ooh, the Holy Spirit was moving. Okay, so now here's a great example. And here's how I know she's not crazy. Hmm. Because Jesus, now I'm going to backstop your experience mm-hmm. with scripture. Perfect. Jesus told his disciples that sometimes in the coming future, you're going to get put on the spot. Mm-hmm. You'll not have to prepare what you're going to say in advance. Yeah. But I'll give you the words to say in that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus ascended up into heaven. He was not standing there when they got put on the spot later. Mm. We're talking decades later. Yeah. So who, which person of God then gave them what to say? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit living in them. God mm-hmm. living it. But again, you say, well, Jesus said he would give them the word. Yes, he is God. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is God. Mm-hmm. And they are synced up perfectly. I'm going to try to talk about that a little bit this Sunday about how maybe this interface works. But, you know, they're separate yet completely connected. Mm -hmm. You know, something else that I'm thinking about, I'm sure this has happened for both of you. And I'd be curious to hear any of our listeners' experiences with this same thing. If you have an experience like this, text us, let us know. But have you ever interacted with someone or prayed over someone or just, you know, were kind in a moment? And you're just being normal. You know, you're not trying to do anything or be anything specific. You're not trying to be led by the spirit. But then, you know, maybe a day or a week or years later, they say, you know, you don't know how deeply that impacted me. You don't know how richly that affected my life because of that one comment you made or that one act of kindness you gave me. I have to wonder. You were being led by the spirit in that moment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And sometimes maybe it's more intentional. Yeah, But maybe if we, as Erica said, develop an ear for his voice and we develop a, again, a tenderness, a sensitivity to his voice mm. inside of our heart, yeah, and inside our conscious. of our head, yeah. that it becomes so seamless, so easy mm. to follow the spirit's guiding mm-hmm. that you're not like, man, I've got to force this. Yeah. You know, who can I pray with right now? <laughs> it's not like that. It's just like I'm living my life. But as the spirit needs me to connect with people, he just, just gives, a natural extension he gives me a subtle do. impression yeah. and I just follow that. Right. Oh, this woman needs to pray with this person needs a little help. You know, I would love to have, you know, your mom on one of these conversations at some point, because I don't know anyone who's in the word more than your mom is. Mm-hmm. She is a student of the Bible and, you know, she's incredible when it comes to that. But because of that, because she's so in tune with the word. And it's because she's so well integrated into what scripture is saying, she also is very spirit led. And you find mm-hmm. her praying with anyone. You find right. her right. giving truth to anyone and everyone. And she'll tell, if you ask your mom about, you know, hey, tell us about a, a spirit moment you had this week. Let's bring mm-hmm. her in here next week. Like she'll, next she'll, have, she'll have yeah. something to say. She'll yeah. tell you about a moment where something that she read in scripture then overflowed into a real life interaction with someone. Right. And I have to see that as her being so in tune with God's word that she's also in tune with his spirit. I think this is a really important point to make. I think sometimes when we differentiate between a more conservative background and more charismatic background, it may seem as if we're saying people from a conservative background aren't led by the spirit. 
And that is not at all what we're saying. Right. Because I was surrounded by so many spirit-filled people, and they may have been hesitant to the more miraculous experiences, but those people taught me the word of God and prayed over me and loved me. And so they were still led by the spirit and maybe what would seem more subtle. Yeah. Uh, hey, I'm going to pray over you. Hey, how can I help you today? Little things where they would speak truth into my life and the spirit would speak through them. When we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit comes and indwells the believer. Oh yeah, he's so, so much greater than any of our baggage or you know the barriers that we put up. Yes, and so I don't wanna ever come across like I think that one person in only this denomination has the Holy Spirit leading them. Yeah. But I also think it's important that we look and say, how have we denied the Spirit in ourselves by lack of acknowledgement or mm. fear of something unknown. Ooh, that hurts me. That hurts because I know that that's happened frequently in my life. Well, we talked about this out there yeah. on the public floor now right. about how we are chronic knee-jerk reactionaries in the wrong way. When yeah. we see anything Catholic, now we can add to that list, charismatic, whatever, mm -hmm. we tend to overreact instead of trying to find the middle position. Because there normally is one. Correct. And it's usually a really good position to be in. Yeah. And so I like what you're saying, Erica, because as a congregation, we have people that are like you, mm -hmm. maybe from a more charismatic background. We have people like Jeremy and I who are from a very traditional Baptist background, and we have every shade of gray in between. Yeah. We're like a Baskin Robbins. We've got all the all flavors. The flavors. Yeah. <laughs> and as a church that has some different experiences with Holy Spirit and different teaching that we've gathered along the course of our lives. We're trying to find common ground as a congregation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I want to be clear. I want to try to find a middle position for myself personally. Mm -hmm. And if you want to follow whoever's listening for our whole church yeah. mm -hmm. to where we are open to whatever Holy Spirit wants to do. Yes. And what's the worst that could happen? We see a miracle. We see a miracle. <laughs> I mean, right. we, you yeah. know, I'll tell you about a miracle that happened this week. Our key number one disciple maker that you and I and Jeremy have invested in, yeah. in Nicaragua, listen, like 72 hours ago, he was on death's door. Right. And we've had our church, uh, especially our deacons, mm -hmm. praying nonstop. Mm -hmm. And they've been praying prayers like this. God spare his life. Yeah. God, do not let the devil win a victory through his death. Yeah, because the work that your spirit is doing through him is too great. Correct. Mm -hmm. There are too many disciples being made through his ministry. Please preserve his life yeah. and do not let COVID kill him. And I mean, we're talking lungs filled with fluid, ambulance to the hospital. And, and keep in mind, a Nicaraguan hospital. Uh, oxygen levels in the 80s. Yeah. Right. Heart attack like symptoms. Yeah. And then about 72, you know, to four days later, I got a text yesterday. He said, I'm heading home. Wow. wow. And so mm -hmm. you can say, well, it's, it's just the marvel of modern medicine. Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. Hear what we're saying. It's not the marvel of modern medicine. It's God sparing the life of his child and yeah. saying, you know, there's a work for you to mm -hmm. do. And we believe the power of prayer has mm -hmm. intervened in his life. Yeah. We don't always understand. This is a question I get a lot from people who know that I have an interesting background in the church, but why did God heal him and not my loved one? And we're not always going to have an answer. Just like we're not going to be able to perfectly articulate the Trinity to you. 
we don't always know why there is a miracle in one life and not in another. But we, again, see the Bible as the authoritative word of God, and we look to it and see that God is unchanging, that God is loving, that he is merciful, that he is gracious. And we see in the lives of these people who I love dearly, God's still working after this heartbreak. And so, and he sent his own son to the cross. Right. We don't always understand why a miracle happens in this situation and not in another, but that's why we stand on the authority of scripture and the truth of who God right. is yeah. so that we can say, we trust you right. walking through these murky waters right. and we can praise in a miracle one day and we can mourn the next with loved ones. Yeah. And just as you know, our brother that we lost recently mm-hmm. is heartbreaking to us mm-hmm. and God saw fit to take him home. But because God took him home doesn't mean we shouldn't ask for the Holy Spirit to intervene in a miraculous way for someone else. Yes. And this is so this is that middle ground I'm mm-hmm. trying to find. Because one side would say, well, see, God chose not to heal this one, so maybe God's out of the healing business. Right, yeah. I don't want to close that door. Right. I want to leave that door open and say, let's see if God would be gracious and still intervene. Yeah. In miraculous way, would he still do the amazing things he did in the word of God for us? We won't know unless we ask him and unless mm-hmm. we open our lives to him and say, we're open to whatever you would do. I think it would be great if our congregation could find this middle ground to where we're saying, I don't just want to know about a third person of the Godhead that mm-hmm. exists. I want to know Holy Spirit in a way that I experience him every day of my life yeah, and he's transforming me. Here are memories and experiences we have. We're building a life together experientially mm-hmm. every day yeah. and I'm open to whatever he wants to do in my life, whether it's transform me or work through me to minister to other people. I want to be yeah. a person of the spirit right. and not be afraid of that in any way. No. What the implications of that would be. Right. And there's the question that always gets asked, you know, if you could have dinner with anyone in the world of any time, anywhere, who would it be? And people always say, you know, well, maybe he's notable political Abraham figures, Lincoln, you know, or, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> but there's always someone who says like, man, I always just love to spend a day with Jesus. <laughs> and I just think like Jesus gave us Holy Spirit. We have access to God every day. We have access to God every day. Every moment of every day. Every day. day. And the fact that we don't know what that experience is like is really troublesome. The fact that we are so out of touch and out of tune with the Spirit's presence in our lives that we don't even recognize the fact that we've spent time with God. That's a real problem. That's a kind of a symptom of a pretty much a spiritual sickness. Yeah. Yeah. But there are solutions to begin to overcome that. And you started talking about that on Sunday mornings. Before you put your feet on the floor, when you wake up in the morning, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Guide me today. Set a a timer on your phone to remind you to acknowledge Holy Spirit. And for those of you who are journalers, maybe sit down and say, where have I said something that I didn't even know where it came from and it helped impact somebody? When did I turn left instead of right at one point and have this God moment? Let's call that a Holy Spirit moment because it was led by the Holy Spirit who is God. But you can begin to recall and see, oh, Holy Spirit has been moving in me. Right. And then 
spend time with him. Oh, I love that. And I love looking back at moments where he's shown himself present, really finding and identifying those particular times where you can say without a doubt, Holy Spirit was guiding in this moment. Yeah. And then chase after those moments again. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know that he's present in very specific times in your life, then maybe you should find those times again. Absolutely. And it can be discouraging to think, I've neglected the spirit. I don't know how to interact with the spirit. But instead of letting the enemy then take that and send you on a spiral of negative thoughts, rejoice that Holy Spirit has revealed to you that he's ready to know you more. Right. And so in your time with the Lord, be in the word, not asking you not to be in the word. But then after you're in the word, sit down and talk to Holy Spirit about what you just read. It's as if you would tell me this wonderful story, Jeremy. And then I would say, okay, so after we get home, I need you to help me do X, Y, and Z and completely ignore the valuable thing you shared with me. And we do that to God all the time. We read the word, check the box and walk away. But make a habit of talking to God about that. Talk to Holy Spirit. With intention. With intention and then sit in silence. And it's awkward if you're not used to it. And your mind's going to wander and don't beat yourself up about that. But begin to set a habit. Spend time with the Lord. Read the word because we have to know the word. Pray with the Spirit and wait on him. And don't be discouraged if you don't hear his voice all the time. He's with you always. Yeah. I want to come back to the question that was asked. I have multiple voices or decision to make. How do I know what is the voice of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. He's going to guide you into truth. It's going to sync up with the word of God. Mm -hmm. It's going to be affirmed by scripture or vice versa. They're not going to be in conflict with each other. Yeah. Because God wrote the scripture the right. spirit breathed. Right. So the spirit's not going to say, yeah, I said that, but forget it. Yeah. He's not inconsistent. He's going to affirm what he said. Right. And he's going to help recall the scripture mm-hmm. to your mind. It's one of the beauties of reading scripture or memorizing scripture mm-hmm. is it almost, if you would, arms the Holy Spirit to help you transform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he puts positive God thoughts in your head that Holy Spirit can bring to the forefront. Yeah. So I would also say, from the point of view of the questioner. You know, I've got this decision to make or I'm trying to make this and here are the two voices. I want to talk about peace Mm. because maybe this is a little bit in the category of hindsight's 2020, but when I have made a decision and I'm at perfect peace about it, I know the spirit led me into that decision. He's our comforter. What's the fruit of the spirit? Many of us learn this as children. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If those things are going to be apparent in a voice that you've heard leading you in a direction and you see the the decision is obvious. Yes. And we can get so overwhelmed in our heads and going back and forth. And I think that's the enemy. He's the author of confusion. And so he's going to keep us from moving into something that we really could have better clarity about. And the Lord gives us wise leaders to help us make Let those decisions. Let me explore decisions. this for a minute because sometimes people come to me and say, hey, I've got a decision to make. I'm like, who have you talked it out with? Yeah. You know, so have you made a decision? Okay, mm-hmm. have you got any good counsel on that? And I am at times shocked at the bad advice people get from their parents, mm. like young adults, you know, making a financial decision or something. And yeah, my mom said this, my dad said this. I'm like, what? 
<laughs> you know, and it was just obviously something that was devaluing the fruit of the spirit or yeah. led them further away from their role at church or something like that. And I'm just like, wow, I just understand. What so I want to say about getting advice and godly counsel is yeah. make sure you're asking somebody who is a spirit person, yeah, a spirit yes. filled person, because if you find someone who walks after the flesh, if you find someone who's not in the word and not in tune with the Holy Spirit, you're saying, hey, give me some counsel. Mm-hmm. Oh, just leave that sorry man and just move huh. on down the road. <laughs> you know, just there's a lot of fish in the sea. Well, that's not exactly you know, spirit-filled advice to how to solve relational conflict. Yeah. You want someone who says, well, you know, I'm glad you came to me. Let's pray about that together. I'll be praying with you. That Holy Spirit will lead you to the right, right decision. Right. Now you know you've got the right counselor when yeah. they start talking like exactly. that. Exactly. And I think that's just a good life lesson that, of course, we are to love everyone. And we see Jesus being in the world and being with people who are not living godly lives, but he went to the Lord for his counsel. We can and should love everyone all around us, wherever they're from, whatever they're doing, whether they're believers or not. But when we go for wise counsel, we need to seek out spirit-filled people who are gonna point us to the truth of scripture, but we love everyone around us. But just know that if somebody's not Mm. pursuing the Lord, they probably aren't the best person to give you advice. So probably the best person to give you advice, I would say look directly at your discipleship leader. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the most obvious person. Who who is the person who's investing in you and pushing you to spiritual maturity? They probably know exactly what you need to hear that's going to push you closer to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely would give some credence to that. Or maybe even, you know, like Erica and your family tree line spiritually here at Cornerstone. You've got grandchildren downstream. Mm -hmm. You've got grandparents upstream. You know, you can go a couple of directions and find spirit-filled people you can have conversations with. If that's something, if you're listening and that's something you don't have in your life, you're missing a big part of what God really wanted for you in Christian community, in a church. Look at how Jesus established the faith. He did it by making disciples and by investing Mm -hmm. his life, giving counsel towards the Father and to him and through the Spirit. He made disciples in order to establish the very mission that he was trying to accomplish. And those direct disciples then were the ones who gave all the good advice Mm -hmm. to the next generation of believers. That's what our New Testament is. It's just Jesus' disciples giving advice. Yeah. Right. They're making fresh applications. Empowered by Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I would say one other thing about this question that was asked is that let's say you end up in your mind, you're faced with the situation, you're faced with the conflict and come up with a solution that you think is in line with scripture. You think it's in line with the fruits of the spirit. It all makes sense. It all seems good, but Mm -hmm. you're just not sure if it's Holy spirit who's giving you that, or if it's you who's just coming up with good godly advice for yourself. I would say either way, Hmm. you're pushing closer to the spirit's will in your life. So whether it's directly given to you in that moment by Holy Spirit, or if it's an overflow of your time with him and you came to a certain conclusion, I'm not sure it matters so much because what you're doing is you're still pushing to be closer to Christ in a way that glorifies him, honors him and displays the fruits of his spirit. I don't see the problem. I've heard another form of this question and it sounds like this. You know, there's this thing that's in my head or in my heart that I'm wanting to do. And I'm trying to discern if it's just me wanting to do it or if God's put it there in my heart. Yeah, it's a very common question. My desire or is it God's Mm -hmm. trying to put this in my life? And as you just said, I don't know that you need to differentiate those. If you're following the spirit, then follow your desires. 
because right. the Holy Spirit is giving you those mm-hmm. desires. Right. And you say, well, how do I know if those are, well, do they line up with scripture? I mean, you know, if you're desiring to harm people, that's not right. Holy Spirit's exactly. voice. If you're desiring to disciple people, reach the world for Christ, make disciples, you know, build up the church, love your neighbor, make it a better world, mm-hmm. you know, help people breathe clean air and drink clean water and yeah. live a good life. Yeah. These are all godly attributes. Yeah. And Erica, you brought up the fruit of the spirit, which I think is a really wonderful list to test these things, because let's say I face the job opportunity and maybe I really want to jump into it, but it's really coming from a rooted desire of impatience. Maybe I just really want to get into something because I'm uncomfortable where I'm at. I'm impatient to wait. Well, I would say that's not a fruit of the spirit, Mm -hmm. right? Because the fruit of the spirit is patience. Yeah. You know, in the same way that maybe something comes up and you can really indulge in a moment. You can indulge in an opportunity or something. And maybe it's a little excessive, but you don't necessarily think it's wrong, but you know that it's deeply indulgent. Well, one of the fruits of the spirit is Mm self-control. And so I would say it's probably not in line. And so you could look at that as a wonderful marker and guidance for really discerning whether or not what you're thinking and where you think you're leading toward is in line with what the spirit would have you to do delight thyself also in the lord Mm -hmm. and he will give you the desires of your heart what a wonderful example so when the psalmist is saying things like this what he's saying is i can recognize that because i had a heart for god he has had a heart for me yeah he has given me some of the things that i wanted to do or experience in my life right he's blessed me anyway and I, because i truly delight in him now the desires of my heart are the desires are, they're of aligned his heart. right yeah they are aligned let me go completely the other way now so now i've got a decision to make and now i'm under conviction that i made the wrong decision mm. um You know, the old standard teaching again was, you know, don't miss the will of God for your life and don't get out of the will of God. And it was framed in such a way that one bad decision would send you spiraling off course and you could never get back to God's will again. And that is nowhere in scripture. Correct. The heroes of the faith. Oh, they're wild. The entire Old Testament. (laughs) Last night or two nights ago, our oldest son, who's six, Levi, said, Mommy, you know, David, the one who knocked down Goliath, did he ever sin? And I said, oh, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Just you wait. Wait till you you grow up and we'll talk more about that. I said, he sinned so many times, buddy. And he said, no. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. And he was trying to reconcile his own disobedience of mom that evening with how he could be a godly man. And and in his mind, David is the godliest man because he knocked down a giant. And that understanding that he could be sinful and yet be used by God. My six-year-old needed that. And I think we need to be reminded that nowhere in scripture does it say sin once and you're a goner. That's the opposite of the reason that Jesus came to die, to take the punishment for our sins so we could be forgiven so that we could honor him and be forgiven again and keep trying so that he would live within us and guide us. And we just overcomplicate so much. Yeah. yeah. Failure's not final. No. Listen, that's why the word repentance is there in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening around and you're like, I've made some bad decisions, you know, God's done with me. God's not done with you. No. Holy Spirit is in you and he's just waiting for you to reach back out and say, you know, I need to repent of my sins. I want to right. open my ears to you again. I want to be guided by you. There is a way right back yeah. into, again, the relationship can't be broken. 
you're forever saved, but it could sure be messed up. I love that you said forever saved too, because it is the spirit who seals our salvation. Mm, yes. Upcoming message. Mm. Yes. We're going to talk more about that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I can't ignore you, Jeremy, for six months and come back and expect our relationship to be ship shape and perfect. Yeah. While the relationship never goes away, like you said, because he promises that is forever. He keeps his part of the deal. But when we come back, it's okay if it's a little messy at first. It's okay if it's a little awkward. Come back to the Lord just as you would want your loved one to come back after a difficult season. And you would want to embrace them. Just like the prodigal son, the father embraces him. And it might be a little... Messy is a good word. Yeah, messy to get back into it. But don't let that stop you. Yeah, Yeah. I think we're on to something here. And I think the key for our congregation right now, you know, to make it really, I guess, the Cliff Notes version is let's try daily pursuit. Daily surrender to God, daily pursuit of Holy Spirit and try to develop this new habit in our lives of acknowledging him every day and yielding to him. Mm -hmm. Much in the same way, I have to renew my diet every day, <laughs> you know, Unfortunately. Or, or recommit myself yeah. to the gym every day. <laughs> it's a constant struggle with me. Sometimes spiritually, it's this way. We need to every day, again, recommit our lives to Christ and say, Holy Spirit, my ears are open to you. What a fantastic line to end on. I think that's just the perfect summation of how we should be pursuing the Spirit. Listen, as you hear these podcasts, whether you're listening at home or in the car or wherever it is that you find these conversations, as moments come up in your own memory, we'd really love to hear them. We'd love to hear the perspectives of our listeners. Mm -hmm. So if you would text us at 817-809-3040, we would love to hear your comments and be able to integrate some of those moments into the conversation that we have around this table for these podcast episodes. Again, you're able to find all of our in-person Sunday morning sermons here at Cornerstone on our website at cbc.family media. You can also listen and download on all of the major podcast providers. We know that so many people are getting so much out of these podcasts. If while you're listening, you say, I wish I could do something to help contribute. We would love that too. You can support us financially by texting podcast and your amount to 84321. So if I was going to support with a $5 donation, I could text podcast five to 84321. That'll just help us continue to develop this content. It'll help support us in this ministry and help us to continue bringing these Cornerstone Conversations.